0: Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Welcome, everybody. It's Joshua, your host here at Fusion FFB. And this is like my first just solo regular pod in a little while. We've had some fun fake football fights lately. Of course, going back earlier, David Gutierrez was in talking about Kyle Pitts, but more recently had Josh Larky on. We fought about Rashad Bateman and, of course, Travis Etienne. I realize that a lot of people are going to take the Etienne side of that, and I'm okay with that. And I think if you listen or watch that show, you're going to understand why I feel that way, even if you disagree. But hopefully... You came away understanding the, my points were specific to the players, even if as a whole, I understood running back first round rookie, you know, is going to be better option than the wide receiver. I understand. I get it. I get it. But there's plenty of people who wish they drafted what, so uh, they took Sony Michelle instead of AJ Brown, right? That kind of, that kind of thing. So I'm um, just thinking back to all the cases we've seen and all the doubts we should have about players, both both Bateman and ETN. I just uh, I had more confidence in the talent of Bateman. I think that's going to come out, going to play out here. But check out that. Check out the stuff on Toilets to Titles. I was on the other night with them, and the rankings are on the website, FusionFFB.com combined dynasty ranks with the toilet Titles guys and there's a whole video with me on it guesting on the toilet Titles YouTube channel so check out Uh, just go to the website click on dynasty ranks or go up to the top of the menu player ranks go to dynasty ranks the video is right there you can find their their channel through that as well as see uh, a snapshot of the current ranks all right Business out of the way. This week, kind of put out a challenge, and it was soon after Scott Fishbowl11 started off, kicked off Monday, July the fish, which was a fantastic slip by Zach Reed when he was trying to say July the 5th, and he said July fish, and he kept correcting himself, and I was just yelling into... Nothing, because I'm listening to a podcast. No one can hear you. Well, people can hear you, and they think you're weird. But I'm saying, Zach, no, you had it right the first time. It's it's July fish. Um, I, I realize that it can't stay the exact same date every year, but I kind of wish it could stay July fish and like be a thing. Um, Anyway, so that started up Monday. If you don't know what that is, just go to scottfishbowl.com, scottfishbowl.com. One word.com. And it's a charity league, it's a charity tournament. it, it is so many things it brings it brings people together, uh analysts and fans alike. Um honestly, the fans have a good history of doing quite well for for reasons that if I have time, I'll probably get into on a rant towards the end of this episode. But Lots of draft strategy floating around. Um, this, this is nothing new though. High ground draft strategy. It's something that is not new to me at all. I have been I have been working on this and refining it and trying to to practice it for years. literally for years. Um, in fact, it was two years ago I came up with the name, High Ground Draft strategy which I have repeatedly tried to say to the guys in the fusion chat, clearly there's a better name than that out there somewhere. I know there's a better name because I came up with this one. So there must be a better one, but for now high ground strategy will have to suffice. So what is high ground draft strategy? Well, I actually put out a tweet on Wednesday as all these, uh, you know, the juices were flowing with Scott Fishbowl and everything, all trying to figure out who we're going to draft, what kind of teams we're going to build, roster construction, all this stuff. And um, I, I said something that it kind of came to me, and it's the, the culmination of what the point and the strength of high ground draft strategy is. I'll just read it. Um, I said, what if I told you? What if I told you there's a draft strategy that is not zero running back or zero wide receiver or late round quarterback or, or early tight end or even maybe late tight end or even um, hero running back that is modified running back, right? Or any of the similar kind of strategies. But what if it's it's none of those, but what if at the same time it's it's all of them and but because it focuses on a principle that all of them come so close to saying and, and they touch it and they, they use this principle, but they don't highlight it. In fact, most of these the, these strategies get uh, distracted by other facts. Um, and I, I literally mean that by other facts, not factors, the other their facts are their factors, but I'm not saying that these are ideas or theories. I'm saying they literally get distracted by facts. It's a, it's a fact that running backs are, are more fragile. And so they try to build a hyper, you know, fragile team with zero running back. It's a, it's a fact that wide receivers are, are deeper. So you go zero wide receiver. All of these things They get caught up with a specific fact or a collection of facts that they draw a conclusion of the best path forward uh, from, but they don't focus on and acknowledge the basic principle for why they are even trying to do that instead of just building a balanced team. Because high ground draft strategy is all about reinforcing your strengths. To the detriment of your opponents, instead of chasing and reaching for, you know, your weaknesses to to fix and patch your weaknesses, which really just benefits your opponents. Okay, because um, the the high ground draft strategy believes that you can give up something, right? You can accept one of those weaknesses as long as you're gaining a strength and you believe, you have to believe and you have to have a plan in place that's gonna allow you to recoup the loss from that weakness. This is gonna allow you to overcome that weakness to an extent that is greater than, than the benefit would have been if you had surrendered that strength and, and gone for a more balanced approach, okay? So the the net positive of of building that strength is the net gain is greater than if you just just kind of gone balanced down the middle. That is that is the basic principle behind high ground draft strategy that you're better off reinforcing a strength than you are going half-assed and just part ways and just oh, I, I really need a running back, but I don't like any of them here, but I, I really need a running back. You know, you've heard that before. You maybe have said it yourself, right? I, I know I've heard it before. I'm in these group chats, uh, you, you know, Clubhouse even with people talking about our Scott Fishbowl drafts, and I've heard people saying, I really need a quarterback. You know, i got to go quarterback. Guys. I'm not saying you have to do any specific strategy. I'm just saying pick a high ground and stick to it. Pick a hill and hold it. okay? But let's back up. I wanna I, I wanna I said a lot of words there, a lot of fancy, long sentences, right? Let's let's see how this plays out. And why I say that all of these other strategies, it, high ground isn't that any of them but it's all of them, okay? So let's go through each of them, and I'll hopefully this will illuminate how what I'm saying, how that principle plays out in each of these. So look at a zero running back, okay? The point of zero running back is to strengthen your wide receivers and maybe even another position, a tight end or quarterback, right? Sometimes you can get away with two, right? But the point is you're doing it while ignoring the running back because you believe that you can recoup that weakness uh, at running back position by getting late running backs. And you believe you can do that because of the fact of running back fragility. You're taking advantage of the reality of running back fragility by grabbing these late guys and hoping that one of them hits, either because of injury or just because. I mean randomly running backs can Zack Stacy was a thing, right? If you don't know or who that is, look it up. Trey Mason was a thing. Look it up. Um that's the point. And like I said, the, the it's a fact, not an opinion. It's it's a fact that that is the reality for running backs. And so to to build an entire strategy around that Uh, is really drawing a conclusion based upon that fact. And the conclusion is, were you better off strengthening running back? Um, Strengthening a wide receiver instead of running back because of the fact that running backs are fragile. Well, I want a draft strategy that can incorporate any and all of these facts and doesn't just pick one and, and reject the other ones that are actually also facts. Okay, zero wide receiver. It's just the flip side, strengthen the running backs and ignore their wide receivers because you believe that you can recoup the deficit at wide receiver because there's such a large middle class of wide receivers. It's such a deep position that you think you can grab two, three running backs early, but then still be getting a bunch of wide receiver twos after that in the middle rounds. And so you're taking advantage of the realities, the facts of wide receiver position it's not an opinion it's a fact now if people can make arguments for how much that actually does or does not benefit your team um, just because it's deep and so on i understand but it, again it's a belief that you can recoup the weakness based on a fact about how football works okay late right late round running back uh quarterback late round quarterback strengthen all of your other positions Ignoring quarterback because you know that you can draft some high upside, late quarterbacks, or even just stream the position if it's a 1-1 one, one QB league. I've done that. Just stream the position, okay? Early tight end. Very popular lately when we have the, you know the, these three top guys, right, that are clearly the top guys. Well, go after them. Strengthen that. Maybe even pick up a second or one. I, I, you've seen, you've heard, or, or maybe seen, People on, on Twitter, I believe it was Dave Kluge saying, you know, you should go one, two, three tight ends in uh, in, in these three-man best balls. I, I should get into sometime why that's actually a bad idea. But anyway, anyway, that's the belief that you can recoup. The weakness is the loss at the other positions because you have the tight end. And at the same time, this is one where it becomes more clear. At the same time with the tight end thing, Because there's so few of the top tight ends, not only are you gaining the advantage, you're removing that advantage from opponents because now you're creating scarcity. So this is a secondary effect of the high ground draft strategy, one that I really didn't get into with the other examples. But when you're chasing uh, running backs with zero wide receiver, you're at the same time you're, you're laughing in the middle rounds when the other teams are, are trying to figure out if they want to draft, you know, Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette. You're laughing at the other teams who are now having to scrounge for something at the position that you have a strength. And meanwhile, every time they go after a running back, that they probably should just, just pass on and grab a different player, different position. But they think they need a running back, so they chase after the running back. And with every pick they take at running back, other players at positions that were your weakness because you went running back early. This is a zero wide receiver scenario. Those other positions are now falling to you because they, the other teams are now chasing after the running backs. Now, everything I just said, you can swap around the positions for any of these different strategies. It's the same for zero running back. You see teams chasing after wide receivers in the middle of rounds. Meanwhile, there's some team with like Devonta Adams and Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson, and they're just laughing because they have these three wide receiver ones or at least borderline ones. And uh, meanwhile, you're chasing those. They're going to grab up some of these decent values, especially in super flex leagues at the the running back position, especially maybe rookies or something. So there's always an angle to be played for any of these. Uh lastly hero running back. This is an interesting one. Basically modified zero running back. I just kind of refuse to endorse that. Uh, I tried getting quarter running back going because I I was taking one running back in the first four picks. Um, But hero running back, that's not really even hero running back. Hero running back is grabbing one in the first round, as good a one as you can, and then ignoring the position and hoping that they lock down, at least, you know, if you have to start two, they're going to lock down half of those starts by themselves. And you just need to hit on one late running back now instead of two. Okay. So this is an interesting one because it's definitely... Um, still got all the elements of zero running back, strengthening the other positions. But it's mitigating the weakness, right, with that with that hero running back. But then it's still trying to uh, recoup that weakness with the late round running backs. So it's another way of just making that weakness not so bad. Um, but I hope you all understand it and are hearing The principle here, it's reinforcing your strength to the detriment of your opponents instead of chasing and reaching for weaknesses to fill those weaknesses to the benefit of your opponents. That's the best way I figured out how to say it. Uh, I hope that makes sense. So how does this actually play out? Well, here's the point, and this, this is what I'm trying to say when I say that it's all of them, because... You can use high ground draft strategy for any strategy. It doesn't care what the scoring or the format is. It doesn't care which hill you're standing on. It just wants you to build a fortress on it. Don't just p- pitch a tent and then like wander around and then go visit the other hill. It wants you to build that fortress on the hill so no one can take it i want when i'm doing high ground draft strategy which is basically all the time i want to be i want to look at my my roster and see one position that is clearly top three in the league at that position if not the absolute top and um because i've been asked you know this reminds me i've been asked by people before just talking about fantasy football you know interviews online they ask you know who what, what's your preferred strategy and while I typically land on the running back side of things as just a bit of a default at the same time like I told them I, I can draft any different way I could even go zero running back kick. It was like March last off season when I was looking at it and I was saying, you know, this might actually be 2020 might be a sneaky good year for zero running back when everyone had just after 2019 given up on that and they were all talking about robust running back. Now, I wasn't endorsing zero running back. I'm not a zero running back proponent or something, but at the same time, I was looking at it and seeing that, well, there's a lot here. Uh, as far as depth and um, and so on that could really mean zero. And, and of course everyone being excited by robust running back creating a, a scarcity now, right? So zero so, so high ground draft strategy, you don't want to just pick a hill and then blindly hold it either. So you do need to use your brain. This is not a cookie-cutter draft strategy. This is not a paint-by-numbers strategy. You will need to use your brain, okay? Because while you need to pick a hill, you may very quickly find that everyone's also at that hill. So you need to then be flexible enough to take the hill that everyone else is abandoning because you want an advantage. It's not just enough to also be one of the 10 teams that took running back in the first round. Now, maybe that's what maybe that's what happens. But it's not enough to just go after the one position. Because if everyone else is going after that same position, you're not actually gaining an advantage. So you have to be ready to pivot. You do. And in my Scott Fishbowl draft, there's a really good example of this. I pivoted um I'll, let's go over this really quick and then we're going to talk about how to do this in your league But I want to give you the scenario of how it played out for my Scott Fishbowl yeah ever nobody wants to hear about my draft no one wants to hear about my team I get it but it's 20 minutes into this thing if you're still listening then I'm gonna go for it so I went into this and I can say this now we're deep enough in and my strategy has changed enough, but I went into this, maybe you saw my tweets, maybe you saw, heard me talking about how I kind of was worried about quarterbacks getting overvalued. And that's been the the trend lately. I identified this back again in January, pointing out how ridiculously high quarterback scoring was in 2020 and that it's likely going to regress. Now, it's going to regress to a point that's probably still better than 2019, but it's not going to be as good as 2020. And there's a there's trust me, there's a wide range between those years uh, that it can land inside. That is that is a very large runway to land on the distance between 19 and 20s quarterbacks results. There's a wide range there. So um, I'm very confident that's where it's going to land. But I saw so many drafts where quarterbacks were going fast and furious right off the top and continuing into the third, fourth round that I pretty much experimented, well, what if I just completely pass on it and I scrounge together, you know, this Frankenstein quarterback room in the late rounds after everyone's already paid up at quarterback, they're not going to be willing to to now also add both Tyrod, Taylor, and Davis Mills. Uh, no, after they already bought two or three expensive quarterbacks, they're not going to do that. So I can do that super cheap, super late, right? That's the idea. So I went into it saying, okay, I'm going to see I'm at the 11 position. So I really like that because it let me react to my league. And sure enough, a good amount of quarterbacks, also two tight ends. Waller didn't even make it to me. And then of course the traditional four running backs. So it was, it was the six, uh five or six quarterbacks, four running backs, two tight ends. It must've been five quarterbacks doing the math really quick in my head here on the 11 spot. And uh, the uh I, I went with my plan to not go quarterback. If, if Dak had fallen to me, right, and, and this division seemed to not be as quarterback happy, I would have maybe taken Dak Prescott and then saw what, what happened at two. But as it was, the Dak didn't fall to me. I didn't like the other option, so I went Alvin Kamara. When it came around the turn, 202, went Jonathan Taylor, stacked up two top running backs. Then third round reversal comes back to me after the second is over, comes back to me at the beginning of the third, 302. And Devonta Adams, a legit wide receiver one, like overall wide receiver one, was there. Tyreek Hill had just gone. So I figured it was appropriate. There's a tier there of a couple of guys. So I went Devonta Adams. So again, the high ground, if you notice here, was first of all, the running backs. But I was. I was going to take, if it wasn't going to be Adams, it was not going to be any wide receiver. He was the last guy I was willing to break away from that hill for. Because he, he's that much of an impact player, basically, um, that I'm, I'm willing to kind of take that other hill as well and try to hold two. Because he's a little hill of his own. He's a mountain of a, a wide receiver. If he had not fallen to me, if the, the team in front of me, instead of taking digs, which they did took Adams instead I was not going to take Diggs. I would have gone Joe Mixon I would have gone three running backs and just pile on volume running backs right this this was the plan well at the same time taking the wide receiver it's Adams so again that's really all the explanation I need but I also in the back of my mind knew that this would allow me some flexibility so a long wait comes around to me, 4'11", and Kirk Cousins actually came to me at 4'11". I said, look, this was the guy I said that if he came to me here, I would be willing to then take a quarterback because he's a top. I mean, he was a 17th overall um, points, I believe. Maybe maybe he was top 25 for sure. I know because all my first four picks, my first five picks, all of them are top 25 Uh, results in last year's scoring, which is the same in Scott Fishbowl. So I had five players that scored in the top 25 last year. So I literally own 20% of the top players when I'm literally 8% of the league, you know, one, one over 12, right? 8%. uh, Close, close enough, eight something. So, um, I was very happy with that. And then it came around, the bend and I saw Derek Carr still there and I thought, well, I have my running backs and I have a good wide receiver. It's going to be a while again. It comes back to me 6'11". So a Derek Carr Kirk Cousins pairing is about as, as good as I could hope. So it looks to you, it looks to you on the outside like I am building a balanced roster. Okay. I'm not. After the first two rounds, my division Stop drafting quarterbacks, which we will see as I continue down the lineup here, my uh, continue talking about the draft. It was very clear that they turned to running backs really quickly in the third round into the fourth. Uh, I really wanted some players here and there, and they were taken instead. So really, I just uh, looked at it and said, "Okay, none of you, you guys, all piled on that hill at the beginning, but now you're all leaving that hill and you're trying to come to my hill. Well, okay, I'll go take your hill. So I took the quarterback hill. It doesn't seem like it cause I just got two, but I already have a fort on the running back hill before the everyone else got there, right? I staked out my ground already with my two and now I'm gonna go occupy some land over on the quarterback hill. Well, all right, 6'11 comes back around. I got Tyler Lockett, just all-around best player there. I didn't really love the options, but I was looking at it and realizing once again how many good quarterbacks were still falling. And at 7'02", I went, okay, I'll take Justin Fields because I think he's could be really good in this Scott Fishbowl format. And I think it's going to take an upside uh Kind of a, a remember Herbert last year, how how great Herbert was if you got him super cheap. And I tell you what, I believe the winner of last year, Scott Fishbowl, had Herbert late. But uh, a lot of the good teams had Herbert late last year. That's what I'm just going to go for. I said, all right, I need one of these guys uh, to hit big. In the meantime, Car and Cousins are putting up solid points. But if one of these guys can take it to the next level and give me division winning points, that's great. I have them. Not to mention injury risk. All the way back around to 8-11, and I'm looking at it, and Trey Lance is still there. I'm telling you guys, they completely abandoned this hill. They abandoned their hill. This is my point. All of them started out, not all of them, most of them, about nine teams, started out trying to... Take that quarterback, Hill. They wanted that high ground. But they didn't stick with it. None of them drafted a third quarterback. None of them said, I'm going to make you pay for not drafting quarterback. Now, I understand why they didn't do it, because that's really expensive. If you're buying two expensive quarterbacks— You hope you don't have to buy any more. So they're doing what I'm doing with with the running backs. So that's fair. Some of them maybe are playing high ground. But at the same time, they're letting me get these other guys later. Um, And I felt I did that to a certain extent by taking those guys and Tyler Lockett. I let them, other teams, have some good running backs. So maybe I did not play this the best. I fully admit it. Um, A couple of running backs I was really hoping for. I thought they might even make it back to me at that 8-11. But again, Trey Lance fell to me. That means somebody didn't take Trey Lance. Somebody didn't take, um I'm trying to remember who the other, the other guys. Uh, there were tight ends there, Goddard and so on. There's a bunch of good players that they did not take. Instead, they took the running backs that I hoped one of them would fall to me. It, it, instead, it was like Javante... Uh, Williams and Josh Jacobs really good running backs for this area and so you know I I gave up some of that scarcity by not pounding the running backs I fully admit it um at the same time I like I said I was hoping that they would chase and and to their credit they didn't this is a pretty sharp division there hasn't been any crazy ADP you know uh values uh, then it came around, and I did get James Robinson at 9.02 because I thought that that actually was a uh, value, and he was someone who was going to help bail someone out at a running back position, so I went ahead and took that. But I wanted to show you how that played out, that uh, what I did well and what I maybe didn't well, like I said. Maybe I, I messed up a little bit there by not continuing to press my advantage. But that's – look, my draft – anyone could have drafted this same team but not been taught thinking in terms of high ground. But in thinking in terms of high ground gives me a clarity, I think, that someone else who was just kind of flailing, grabbing whoever looked good at the time, it gives you a clarity and a purpose um, that the other strategies don't. Like I said, zero running back, zero wide receiver, whatever it is, they are not focusing on the principle behind why they're doing what they're doing. They're focusing on just the realities of how NFL and fantasy work, and drawing a conclusion based on that. But they're not really—they're not really highlighting and taking advantage of the principle behind it. Uh, so I continue—I'm going to continue to look at this team. You see, my weakness is is wide receiver, and my weakness is tight end and like I said earlier it's okay to have two strengths. So now my two strengths are running back and quarterback and that's okay. So again, I don't think I failed. Uh maybe I could have made other teams hurt more, but I think it would have hurt my myself at that point. But I have I have high ground in two positions and that's okay. It doesn't have to be just it doesn't have to be just one. It can be two. Um but I have a complete weakness in tight end. But guess what? I love having weakness at tight end. I love being able to get those light, late tight ends. You guys know I love that. Talking about it, there's so many good players. I'm not going to talk about them here because I'm not in those rounds, and I want to draft those players. And I don't know who's listening. Probably none, none of you that are in my division, probably. But that said, I love those. I've already said too much. I love those late tight ends, right? And the wide receivers are deep. Um, that is a bit of a fallacy. Uh, as some have talked about J.J. Zacharyson lately about how um, the the win rates and the consistency from the top wide receivers, even though the maybe the total points at the end of the season doesn't look that different, um, the, the week-in, week-out consistency from those top guys does make a difference. And so that's why that's what I was referencing when I said Devonta Adams is a difference maker and why I was willing to step away from the plan a little bit because he alone was worth it. Um, So high ground draft strategy, how how are you going to do it in yours? Okay. now you have an understanding of the mindset of the principle that you want to keep in mind that you want to continue to focus on. So you want to build those strengths and you want to accept and purposely leave yourself weak at a position because you can fill that with waivers in most other leagues, not scarce Fishable, but in other leagues, you can fill it with trades. Now you have scarcity, you have an abundance at something else that you can now trade for um a player instead of that instead of drafting that player. Um And in season, you have the advantage of now seeing how that player looks and their situation and everything, and you have a much higher probability of successfully picking the player that's going to produce in season than if you're doing it when we draft, right? So you're increasing your chances of of recouping, of covering that weakness. Um, What you want to do, okay, you want to do this you want to look at your league. Again, high ground doesn't care about scoring or format. It doesn't care, you need to look at it. Now you can use my tool, the, the format beater, with a scoring, it'll give you a sense of how average scoring is at, at all the ranks and everything for each position. So you can see if quarterbacks just score super high or if running backs are all very high. And so on. This will give you a better sense of the ground that you want to, that you want to hold, that you want to stake out and hold. Um, you can also have to consider things like roster demands. How many running backs do you have to start? Okay. Uh, format beater is not going to be able to help you with that. If you only have to start one running back, then why not go? with something that looks like hero running back, right? Because you only have to start the one get a hero and then build everything else. So now that, that quote unquote weakness at running back isn't even a weakness because you, you only have to start one, right? So that makes sense. You still have to use your brain with this guys. Um, So on and so forth with, with the format and the scoring, look at it, figure out, Come up with a scenario. So this is what you want to do. Come up with a scenario um, of how you're going to take a high ground and hold it and build it and reinforce it, whether you're doing it in in mock drafts, um, whatever. Have a plan and then take that plan, put it in a box and set it on the shelf and do that all over again but try it to try to do it with a different strength. Okay? Again, people ask me what well, how do you draft and I say I can draft anything and they don't believe me, but it's because they don't understand that all of those strategies are the same strategy to me. It's high ground. I can adapt it and I can use it in any format in any way with any any combination of positions. I can go after a uh, quarterback tight end and leave running back and wide receiver in some in some leagues. I could do that if I wanted to. One of my best dynasty leagues right now, and I'll tell you right now, high ground is especially good in dynasty. It is especially good in a in a league like Scott Fishbowl where it's deep and the scoring is very even and so you can you can just pick what you want to pick, right? There's not as many natural built-in advantages It's a very balanced scoring. Uh, But if you're playing a redraft basic PPR, this is why these strategies were made because people, you know, you're getting in the ruts of where everyone else has run before for those formats. Um, So while it's going to look just like something else, you can still use high ground in those. You may not get as huge of a benefit. But it's still going to help you and still help your mentality drafting. But in Dynasty, it makes a big difference because you have that that whole trading aspect. You can make up for those weaknesses with trading, and so you really, really can gain a, a big advantage using high ground in Dynasty. One of my best dynasties, I have a fantastic wide receiver core, which isn't normal because one of my other uh, one of my other best dynasties, I had like Saquon and. I had a whole list and Chubb. I had a whole list of good running backs all the way around. I had a top three running back core. And in the the, the first one I'm talking about, I have a top two, if not the best wide receiver core. Because I've got like uh, Jeff, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen. Uh, I think I have Debo and then Michael Thomas. I mean, it's just, it's, oh no, I remember I traded, oh my goodness. I traded Debo and a first for AJ Brown, guys, I have Keenan, Allen, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, and Michael Thomas in my in that league. Those are four wide receiver ones. Okay. Um it yeah, I take it back. It is the best wide receiver core in that league. I have a high ground and wide receiver. And guess what? I was able to I'm able to do that freely because I hit on like Herbert late in the draft last year in the startup. And I went after Kyler Murray. So I have like those two positions. And even so, then it left me free to still develop and strengthen what used to be my weaknesses. And so if you continue in a dynasty with this strategy, eventually you don't have any weaknesses. You just have all strengths is the point. You don't have to have a weakness. The point is accepting, being willing to accept a weakness because the net positive with your strengths is better than if you didn't um so like i said figure out the format figure out the lineup requirements and pick a couple different scenarios strategies be familiar with it and then and then go draft like i said i've been i've been practicing this i don't mean practicing like uh like you have a back to ball bas- basketball practice or something i, I mean I've been doing it right um, for a couple of years now. And I love just reinforcing my strengths. I love seeing the other teams panic when I, when they never expected me to take Justin Fields and Trey Lance and they only have one quarterback or even just two. And they were thinking that one of those guys could be their second or third late. And they're hoping to scoop up value at other positions. And I'm saying no, No, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you get bailed out because everyone else also decided to stop drafting quarterbacks and let you get them late. No, I'm not going to do it. I am going to take them instead. And whenever you do, you can see the people, you can hear the reactions in the chat room and so on. Uh, They're like, oh, I really wanted to get that guy later. Everyone's thinking it. Everyone's thinking it. And you look at your team, and they're they're hoping that well, he sacrificed taking this or that player, but I've already built you know my Ford out those other positions, um, so I think I think I'll be okay. And if they become my weaknesses, that's fine. Um, guys, I hope that made sense. I hope I proved to you that high ground draft strategy is is none of those strategies, and yet it's all of them. Once again because all of them follow the same basic principle. You can take this strategy and you can apply it to any situation scoring format, doesn't matter. You can apply it in any of them. Doesn't matter the positions, doesn't matter which ground, it just cares that you take the higher ground and you hold it. Hopefully that was clear. I've I've mentioned this briefly before. This was the largest treatment I've given it on the podcast. I know the fusion chat guys have heard me often saying it. I love using the uh, the, the the episode three Star Wars. Uh, don't do it. I have the high ground. You know Obi Wan Kenobi there. I love that GIF. It has to go with this every time I do it. I'm probably gonna go out with the tweet for this podcast, right? I have the high ground. Um, I I love the ability to not be predictable as well because I, I play in a number of leagues with some of the same people and if you do as well, it is so fun just doing a completely different approach, a completely different strategy. and uh people think they've pigeonholed you into something. they think, oh, you're a robust running back guy. You, you're not a zero running back. And I know I make fun of zero running back, so it's pretty easy. but then, you know, depending on the league and the scoring and something, I I could go zero running back. I've I kind of did it in that league. I said I had those like all those great wide receivers. Uh, it was a unique situation. It was an auction league as well, uh, auction draft startup. Um, but I kind of took a bit of a zero running back approach in that one. While I was able to get Cam Akers, um, most of the other guys top guys were gone so I ended up with like this you know, conglomeration of Chris Carson and, and uh, I think Melvin Gordon and Fournette Leonard Fournette so I had just this this group of guys where I knew I just needed to start a couple and uh, you know that it was going to be okay and that's developed and now I and now it's a bit of a strength and you know I make some trades like I said it's a dynasty but um, I hope that made sense if you have any questions, um, I would love getting you know a DM from somebody, and you're like I'm in a I'm in a draft and I'm trying to do this with a higher round. You know what should I do? Should I stick with it or should I should I go take that other hill now? I, I would love to help anyone who's trying to actually put this into into practice. Um, hit me up at FusionFFB on Twitter, FusionFFB at Gmail.com email. Of course, the website has all of that, FusionFFB.com. That's the majority of the meat for this show. So you can stick around for my rant if you like. Uh, It's the same rant I had last year. It's actually not going to be that big of a rant. But once again, it's Scott Fishbowl. Everyone is excited. We're all just ready, just champing at the bit, ready to draft. Everyone knows... It's when it's starting, everyone knows the day it's starting, and yet there's still so many divisions that took so long to get through the first and second rounds, so long. And typically, as always, I've seen this one, two, three, fourth, this is the fourth year I've seen it, right? People complain. Well, we're my league is so slow. This guy takes forever, and then there's the pushback, typically from uh, the 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 showrunners, right? The top people, the the no the the names that everyone knows at the top, and I understand why they do it and why they say it. They push back. They're like, guys, you know, take your time. It's fine. It's a slow draft. You know, there's no rush. It's all fine. And I understand why they don't want to say that because you don't want to. There's lots of people in situations that that legitimately need a slow draft and are legitimately going to take a long time to draft. And I also don't want to demand those people set a pre-draft, you know, when they're eight picks out just in case it gets to them before their lunchtime um and then they have no idea the player they got or if some other player fell that they thought wouldn't and they didn't even bother queuing them up right it's just you hate to do it and plus there's just a joy in making the pick physically yourself instead of a pre-draft um that comes and goes for me Uh, you know sometimes I'm so excited and locked in like that Trey Lance pick I was just like, oh, Trey Lance. And then I had James Robinson as the second backup in case the guy in front of me took Lance. The guy in front of me took Zach Wilson instead. And so finally, later I looked and I checked and I'm like, yes, I got. And that's almost more exciting to like check. It's like opening a president's seeing what I got, right? That's kind of exciting. When I know it's something I want because it was a short list, it's fine. It's fine. I can understand it both ways. Um, there's, there's people who just can't have their phone even at work, at least while they're working, only break times. You know, there's a lot of reasons, good, legitimate limitations and context for people completely. I need that to be said and understood and known that I'm not talking about those situations as those people. I am talking about the people who seem just to not be in a big hurry. They are apathetic. They're on Twitter, on social media, they're in chats, they're doing whatever, and they're taking hours to figure out their pick when they've had hours to narrow it down to a handful of players already, but they don't. They are looking at entire lists of, they're listing off, you know, six running backs, seven running backs deep, trying to figure out who they want. Um. I don't... Think it's as much fun for everyone if just a couple people don't take it as seriously and aren't as excited to pick as everyone else. Their little bit of lack of excitement and an investment. Guys, I keep using that word when I talk about this, but are, are you really invested in Scott Fishbowl if you're in it? Um are you are you Kind of holding back and, and playing it cool, um, or are you all in right down in there on all fours, just just completely consumed by it, um, as if you you know and I compared it last year when I talked about this to you know little kids playing and. They play serious, man. And if you just try playing with the kids halfway and you you, you, want, you don't want to be, you don't want to embarrass yourself. You just want to stay cool. The kids know and they're not interested. You're, that's not fun. They're not interested and it kills the game. It kills the fun, right? Um, another one I heard was Adam Levitan saying, you know, honestly, you know, why, what's, what's the rush? And, you know, my response to him, I tried to put, I think, I'm not sure if he has a poker background, but a lot of those DFS kind of guys do. And even if you haven't, I'm sure you've experienced this. Before. If you've played poker, let's just say Texas Hold'em with a group of people, but it's you're not actually playing for money, right? And everyone plays just goofy. They play dumb when they don't actually have money in the pot. Because it's free and so they do really silly things like go all in with all their chips with a bad hand. And they just do all kinds of silly stuff. It's it's basically a mock draft, right? But when we're actually doing the real thing, don't you want to be playing with people that are pl- acting like they have $100 at stake? They have a $100 investment into this poker game, even though they don't. But you want them to play as if they do. So just the fact that Scottish Bowl is free and it's a slow draft and it's for fun does not mean you have a justification to not be invested, to not be excited, and to rob your league mates of their joy by playing it cool, by being aloof By being too good to be thinking of nothing but what you're picking. And so excited and ready to make your pick when you go on the clock. Because the rest of us are. And you can say that's because we don't have a life. But I'd say if you're in Scott Fishbowl. And your life is so important. That you can't be excited about Scott Fishbowl. You just shouldn't be in Scott Fishbowl. I'm sorry. You shouldn't be because i guarantee yes the if you're a big name you can be disinterested and still bring a lot of attention to the cause that does a lot of good but you know what i bet i bet in the long run it's the people who are excited about it that are actually talking about it who are actually sharing it who are giving it exposure with new regular people um And making them excited and interested about it, too. And I think in the long run, that's been the success behind Scott Fishbowl. It hasn't been. because It didn't become. We didn't get all the way to Scott Fishbowl 8 or whatever just because you got Matthew Berry on the year before involved. Right? There was a lot of them before that. It had to get there. And it got there because all the regular people, all the little people were excited about it. They were invested in it. And they shared that joy because when you really love something, when you're really excited about something, you want to tell everyone about it. Remember being a kid? You're you're excited about something, you tell anybody and everybody. Okay. If you don't have that excitement about Scott Fishbowl, I really need you to stop accusing. The people who are annoyed by you of rushing you or being jerks or whatever. No, you need to own the fact that you're the jerk because you're not invested enough. You need to own the fact that you're the one who needs to step it up and get excited. And be, have that anticipation to make your pick. Not because we have to, not because it's a paid league, or because it's a fr- not because of any of those things, but because you're excited. And it's fun to play with people who are excited to play with you. It is not fun to play a board game with the guy who's disinterested on their phone, never knows it's their turn, right? Come on, do you have money writing on that, that game of sorry? No is it stealing your joy and the fun for the whole everyone else there at the table because that one person doesn't seem like they really want to actually get excited about it you know i'm right you know i'm right and if you're that person and you've complained about people complaining about you being slow maybe you need to admit that maybe you're the problem and you need to be more excited now as I said before, and I'm going to swing around full circle and say it again here at the end just in case you didn't hear me, if you have a legitimate reason, you can just say, sorry guys, I can't have my phone on me while work and I'm too far out. I'm just not going to pre-draft far out. I, If somebody has a problem with that, then that's their problem. I have no problem with that. But if you're going to be Liking things and retweeting things and making tweets. If you're going to be doing all that when you're on the clock. You can make your pick. Right? You can be excited to make your pick. Life happens. A couple hours. Uh, I'm not saying you have to do it in the first five minutes or you're a bad person. I'm just trying to tell you that you should be excited for it. Now, sometimes we're excited for things and then other things happen and the thing we're excited for, it it doesn't work out when we thought it was going to happen. That doesn't change the fact that you're excited about it, right? So that's what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to to do anything unreasonable. I'm just asking you to be excited by it. And just out of that, naturally, it'll go faster. Everyone will be more involved. Everyone will be into it. The side effect will be it going faster, but the goal is not going faster. The goal is everyone being excited and having fun. Don't steal your league mate's joy by being too cool for school or placing um, things in your life at a higher priority, even if they technically should be. It doesn't take much. doesn't take much to, to make a pick. So other people have probably invested that priority on making their pick above other things It probably shouldn't have been. They did that for you. You can do it for them too. Okay. Be good to your teammates, be kind and be excited to make your picks. That's all. And stop falling back on the tired old excuse of then trying to throw it back at the people complaining about going slow as if something's wrong with them. There are things wrong with them. They're just excited. Stop being the wet blanket. Stop being the uh, stuffy parent who doesn't want to do anything fun. Uh, Quiet down. Sit down. What are you doing? Calm down. When the kids want to get excited, go ahead and get excited too. It's okay. It's okay to be excited.